السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين and we thank him سبحانه وتعالى for allowing us to be in a position and to be in a place into being gatherings or in which we are reminded. We are reminded of the meanings and realities of these deen, of this deen, so that you and I can understand it and comprehend it and hopefully strive to put it into practice. Every single one of us is in need of attending gatherings of remembrance with both of their meanings, in terms of learning and in terms of invoking Allah in sending salawat upon his prophet sallallahu supplicating him subhanahu wa ta'ala these are the two meanings of majalis al-dhikr gatherings of remembrance and sometimes both meanings are combined in one and it is for this reason that it has been said if you want to know the state of a community look at how many gatherings of remembrance with both meanings are in that particular community whether it be a city, whether it be a village, a large city, a small city, a smaller village, if you want to know the state of any given place, how, what is the state of the majalis? A city or place that doesn't have majalis is dead. Mm. It is spiritually lacking. Mm. And people, when they enter into those places, they'll feel alienated. Mm. They'll feel lonely. They won't feel alive. And then if you go to a place, and this place might be remote. And I remember this being in the mahdara of our blessed teacher, Marabat al-Hajj, rahimahullah ta'ala. It's in the middle of the Saharan Desert, roughly 500 kilometers east of the capital city, Nuakshah. And there weren't really any roads getting there. There's the main road, which was kind of like a road but you spend a lot of time on the side of the road because it was smoother than the bumpy, that potholed road. But then you get there, and you're in the middle of the desert. And there's only about 150, roughly, to 200 people total, most of those being students. Depending upon the time of year, there's a little bit more than others. There's not a lot of people in the camp. But I don't ever remember ever getting lonely. And... You're there, you're far from your family. You don't even think about like doctors or my health or anything like that. You don't think about any of those things. And you don't really miss people, even your close friends. Because there's something unique about being in those places where you're learning the deen, where you are remembering your Lord and you're around the true inheritors of the Prophet Your heart comes to life. And the same thing goes for being in many other blessed cities on the face of this earth. Cities that are alive with knowledge and remembrance are true cities. And in those places, this is how hearts truly benefit. I remember, I think it was in 2008, going with Dr. Omar and Sheikh Abdul Hakim Marad to, we first went to Halab and then we went to Damascus. This was before the war had started. May Allah Ta'ala return it to better and than it was before and bless them with Faraj Ajah to our dear brothers and sisters in places like Syria and the many other places that are going through immense tribulations. 
the city was alive. La ilaha illallah. How many gatherings were taking place in the blessed city of Damascus? On any given day, how many different shuyukh had classes? How many different gatherings of remembrance in different places? Whether they be a mosque or in someone's home or whether they be in another place. Many different gatherings. And this is something that this is the way these people were. And they didn't have just one place for them. They would be in a mosque. They would be in the madrasa. They would be in your home. They would be in like a zawiya type place that's made for remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes they'll be in the middle of the marketplace. Sometimes they'll be in places that you don't expect. And the point being is this is how true people of Allah are. They want to focus on what benefits them. But we are in need of this at least once a week. Being in a gathering of remembrance and in a gathering of learning. And this is of the utmost priority for every believing Muslim on the face of this earth. This is not just something for a student of knowledge. No, a student of knowledge has multiple gatherings that they attend, daily or weekly, depending upon whether they are fully freed up to learn or not. But the common Muslim, and we're all common Muslims, we need to have opportunities every week that we remind ourselves. So this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because by the nature of our nafs, if we don't call it to something that's higher, it will naturally that fall into what's lower. We have to put that energy in. And we mentioned this not too long ago. But the same meaning applies. We have to keep putting energy in. Keep putting energy in. And in this context, what we want to learn about today, all of us together, is another one of these golden principles of fatuwa, of spiritual chivalry. And this principle goes hand in hand with our true nature as human beings. Because we know that we're in absolute need. Even those who deny the existence of a creator are still in absolute need. And if they don't think they are, ask them to stop breathing, hold their breath for a few minutes. Ask them to keep their eyelid open for a minute or two. Ask them to that, that not eat for a period of time. We're all in need. And the believer is the one who recognizes the honor of being in need and sees it as a gift from Allah Ta'ala. And this is one of the meanings that we can take from the words of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala in Surah Fatr. Ya nasu antumul Allah, wallahu hamid. That, O oh people, O oh humanity, it, you are in need of Allah. And Allah, He is the self-sufficient and the praiseworthy, Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And one of the commentators said on this, is that he didn't say that you're fuqara here for tahqir, to belittle you, or to humiliate you, or to lower you. On the contrary, to honor his servant. Because once you realize your true reality, you realize that you're in need of who? It's through our realization of our impoverishment before Allah 
and that we are in need of him in every single second, as Dun Nun and Masri said, in every nafas and tarfa wa in every single breath that we take, every single blink of the eye, and every single that moment that we are in, we are in absolute need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an honor because we're moving away from ourselves and we're moving to an understanding that the reality is this whole affair is about coming to know Allah Jalla Jalla. So this trait of futuwa is as follows. وَمِنْ الْفُتُوَةِ مُلَازَمَةُ آدَابِ الْفَقْرِ فِي كُلِّ الْأَحْوَالِ It is from futuwa to maintain, to cling to, to adhere to the various etiquettes of faqr. Here probably translated something like spiritual poverty or spiritual impoverishment. In all states. Now that's lofty. That is lofty. But if you read the autobiography the biographies of the greats, this is how they were. They realized their need before Allah. Complete impoverishment before Allah. And we oftentimes suffer because we're distant from that meaning. To the extent that we think that we're the one doing things, to the extent that we think that we have a say in the matter, is to the extent that you and I suffer. But if we realize that we are truly impoverished before Allah Jalla Jalalu in every single moment, we realize that through our impoverishment that He is the Ghani. This is what Allah says. Hamid. And they mention here the secret of Allah saying that he's both Al-Ghani and Al-Hamid in this verse, is Al-Ghani, that's fairly clear, because we're the fuqara and he is the Ghani. He is the one who is truly independent and rich and self-sufficient, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when it is said here, Al-Hamid, one of the commentators pointed out, by also adding this great name of Allah, the praiseworthy, it indicates that the servant benefits from Allah being Al-Ghani. Because there's a lot of people in the world that are that man, that have a an outward type of wealth that we would call them wealthy or rich. But they oftentimes don't benefit people. They might hold on to their wealth. They might not spend it in the right way. So their wealth doesn't benefit. But when it comes to Allah, who is absolutely independent, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's also Al-Hamid. To the degree that we realize our servitude before Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, will be to the degree which we benefit from His name, Al-Ghani. And He's also Al-Mughni. He's also the one who enriches. And this is a meaning that we learn from our teachers, is that when you realize that Allah is the Ghani and the Mughni, you never belittle any act of goodness. You never belittle any gathering. You never know. That gathering, the ridha of Allah could be in it. The contentment of Allah could be in it. You never know. One thing that you do, one phone call you return to help someone, one smile that you give someone, one letter that you teach, you don't know. That could be it. The ridha of Allah could be in that. And we took some of those stories this past weekend on in the retreat of Book 40 of the Ihailu Medin, 
where there was multiple people that were seen after they passed away. Ma bik. Well, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deal with you? And look at the things that they said. And sometimes it was something that they might not have considered that their best act while they were here in the world. Answering questions of elderly people. That small that cycles of prayer at night and things of that nature. We don't know what that act is going to be. But we do know that Allah is al-ghani and al-mughni. And in any gathering, He could cause us to reach the highest of degrees. Any gathering, we could receive the Fatih Akbar, the greatest opening. And this is why in every gathering, we should go into it with the intention of becoming purified. Maybe we had certain traits of character that we're struggling with. One gathering, boom, it's lifted. Because of our intention. And the more people that are present in the gathering, and here when it comes to these matters, it's about the heart. So even though we're prevented from meeting outwardly, if people are at home, and I know it's harder at home to actually get the kids and stay in front of the monitor and to actually pay attention because things are happening and phone calls are taking place and text messages and all these other types of things. But to the degree that we can focus and concentrate and be present and do our best, that distance is not going to harm. You never know what's going to happen in any given gathering. It could be a means for our purification. It could be a means for us to attain a high degree of closeness to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you have people coming with those strong intentions to those gatherings, whether they're physically present or following online, that will contribute to the quality of that gathering. That gathering will be weightier and it will be regarded more highly especially in the higher realms, especially amongst the mala'ika. And then when it's highly regarded amongst those realms and with the mala'ika, of course it's going to be more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why every single person is important. When we say that marhaban ya nur aini, we're welcoming Rasulullah, the light of our eyes, sallallahu alayhi Let's all of us, every time we say that every week, Welcome Rasulullah to these lands in which we live. Welcome his sharia, his sunnah, his deen, his teachings, what he's given us, his inheritance, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, on behalf of our people. Let's welcome Rasulullah. That let's welcome Rasulullah to these lands. Because we all know, forget all the rhetoric. We don't even need to go there. We know what's going to happen. Those of us that have converted know what happens. When you say, La ilaha illallah, and you start to experience the beauty of having your heart be expanded by Allah Jalla Jalalu. Those that were even born Muslim, that took their deen seriously, know how much benefit they get from La ilaha illallah. We don't even need to turn towards that. We have certainty about this. And we need to be patient with people who don't yet taste it. Because if they tasted it, they would never say the things that they would say or do the things that they would do. They would f actually, as it's been said, that people of worship and people of learning, there's two different statements, were the kings of the earth. And they use the word kings because kings, traditionally, monarchs were very common in pre-modern society. They always want the best of everything because they're kings, because they have ways to that acquire it and experience it. They used to say that were they to know the pleasure that we're in, 
And this refers to those who were praying at night in worship and those who were learning sacred knowledge. They would have come to us and fought us for it. Meaning that that's what kings often do, is that they end up having conflict because they want something, they want to expand their kingdom or whatever else. But this is where true happiness lies, is in worship of Allah Jalla Jalalu. So Allah then says to show how much we are in need of Him in the next verse, إِنْ يَشَأْ that if he willed, he would have done away with you. And he would have produced a new creation. That is not something difficult for Allah. Allah does whatever He wants. And so we realize, He could completely do away with us. And then what? Imagine never existing. Allah gave us existence. And we're in absolute need of Him in terms of us being brought into existence and actually being alive. And that's what's called the ni'mat al-ijad, the blessing of being created. And then we're also in need of Him in every single moment. And this is called the ni'mat al-imdad. Is that for Him sustaining us in all of the things that need to be in place for us to be sustained. It is from Allah. And everything is that under control. And one of the beautiful things that our teachers said today, and that this beautiful that way of approaching how we view things, and that he was talking about how so many people were being pessimistic about how hard next year is going to be. And he was like, no, that we know there's bisharat coming. There's glad tidings that are coming in the next year. And so he said essentially that we're going to take those glad tidings. That's going to be our perspective in other words and that what it is that we trust, we trust in Allah. And he said then let all of that just go back on them. Meaning that if you, this is how you're thinking about what's going to happen in the future and you're being negative and pessimistic, then just you take that. But we're going to take the bisharat from Allah ta'ala and the glad tidings that he has in store for his servants subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the ulama says that there's four types of fakr. The word in Arabic for impoverishment is fakr. And it could refer to actually not having something. And that's actually the third category is fakrun min al-mal. Not having wealth. But there's two that come before that. The first is fakrun min al-deen. Being impoverished in relation to your religion. And that's where there's something that you need for your deen but you don't have. It could be like a knowledge that you need to know. It could be like a particular question that you have. It could be like being around certain people, whatever it might be. There's an impoverishment that you have in relation to your deen. And that could also manifest on your muqiyama, where you are the true person who's bankrupt, where you come with good deeds. But what happens is that you've insulted people and you've harmed people and done many things and they start to take from your good deeds. So that is one of the worst types of fakr. And that's one of the types of fakr that the Prophet ﷺ sought refuge in Allah from because he said, Allahum inni a'udhu bika min al-fakr. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from fakr, from poverty. That's one of the first meanings is poverty in relation to your deen. 
And closely related to that is the second category, which is Fakrun min al yaqeen not having the degree of certainty that we should have, which leads to things like fearing poverty. And one time there was a story where there was a few students studying with one of their teachers. And the teachers asked them, what was the fakr, the poverty that the Prophet ﷺ sought refuge in Allah from? And then one of them said the outward meaning, that someone not have wealth. And then... They were then instructed by someone who knew that the correct answer would have been there to say, I don't know, please tell us, instead of answering the question. And so they kept studying with this same teacher, and then, because he was a person of inner sight, asked the same question again eventually. And they said, we don't know, see, do you tell us? And he said that the poverty that the Prophet ﷺ sought refuge in was the fear of poverty. Because you could be the wealthiest person in the world, but if you fear poverty, you'll be poor. You'll be in a constant state of agitation. So fearing poverty that comes from a lack of certainty and trust in the razaq, the one who provides subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of the other meanings that stem from that. And then the third type of poverty is that faqrun min al-mal, not having enough wealth. And so the first two categories... The scholars say are madhmum, they're blameworthy. We have to work and learn our deen consistently. That same theme of learning regularly, just as we have to work on improving the state of our certainty. And then the third category of actually not having enough wealth is that the scholars say, if someone is content and they have the ability to remain patient, it's not blameworthy not to have wealth. And in fact, it is those who are lacking wealth in this world and don't have the means that will enter into paradise so much quicker than the people who do. And if someone actually has the ability to remain patient and be content and not envy the person of wealth because of what they have or desire what's in their hands and so forth, it's actually a lofty station and can be very spiritually good for them. I know that's a very strange way with it in a Western mentality, a perspective to put forth. But that is what the ulama say. And as our teachers, and I remember Sheikh Hamza saying this, said, is that we've lost in many ways in, in the modern world the sense of honorable poverty. Many of the great people of Islam, scholars, righteous people, were extremely poor. Many of them didn't have a lot of wealth. And one of the things that Murabat al-Hajj told Sheikh Hamza, as I recall, was, is that knowledge is the wealth of the poor. And what he meant by that is, is that generally speaking, is that the vast majority of knowledgeable people and people that were open and willing and able to free themselves up to learn, that just was their predicament here in this world. So there's a lot to be said for that. So the fourth category is faqrun mimma siwa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we have faqr from everything other than Allah. And what that means is that we find our ghina, because the opposite of faqr is ghina, is that we find our sufficiency with Allah. And so we're impoverished in the sense of everything other than Allah. In other words, is that we don't feel in need of it. And this only comes from us actualizing that trait inside of us where we feel in need of Allah in every moment. 
That is one of the most blessed moments of our lives is where you and I feel in need of Allah. And we should bring this to heart when we're alone. Ya Rab, I'm in absolute need of you. And the more that we do that, the more that state will carry over. And Allah shows us that we're in need of Him. When we get sick, when we get injured, we're not able to do something that we want to do when we're tired. Faqar, Ya Rab, I am impoverished. And I'm content. And I'm broken before you, Ya Rab. This is a beautiful state to be in. And one of the beautiful du'as of Imam Hassan al-Shadri, which these are the great imams, when they ask these things, we just seek barakah through their words, even though we're the most distant to people from them. But we ask Allah Ta'ala to bless us with something of these realities, even if it just be a little bit. I ask you to be in a state of impoverishment in relation to everything other than you. وَالْغِنَا bik And to find my sufficiency through you, so that we only witness you. In other words, is that by being impoverished and not in need of the world, is that this helps us be more aware of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then in closing, they mention is that faqr is one of the four great traits of ibudiyah. Ubudiyah is our servitude of Allah. The first is faqr. And we can again translate this as spiritual poverty or absolute need. And Allah has ghina, sufficiency. The next is dhul, humility. And the opposite of dhul is izz, that honor. And then there's ajz, which is inability. And the opposite of ajz is qudra is power. And then there's da'af, which is weakness, and the opposite of weakness is quwa, strength. So faqr, dhul, ajz, and da'af are the four traits, are the four traits of ibudiyah, of servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in English, what is that? That's poverty, humility, inability, and weakness. And the blessing here is the more that we realize our faqr, our impoverishment before Allah, the more that Allah Ta'ala will enrich us. The more that we show our humility before Allah, the more that He will raise us in degree. The more that we are aware of our inability, the more able Allah will make us. The more that we realize our weakness, the stronger we become. So our strength and the real strength that we need to have strong iman and to that all of the manifestations of strength in a religious sense when we go through tribulations and all of that. It's not just like, say, hey, I'm going to take this on, hit it head on. No. Our strength is in realizing our weakness before Allah. And if we can realize our weakness before Allah, Allah will make us strong in relation to all of these manifestations that we need of strength of our deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us to put into practice these blessed traits of spiritual chivalry. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to realize, to have realized within us our faqr, our dhul, our ajz, and our da'af subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may we all experience the beauty 
of being enriched by Allah and being raised in degree by Allah and in being the empowered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be given strength by Allah ta'ala may that may Allah ta'ala that bless us to realize us this within ourselves and to follow the sunnah of our Prophet sallallahu completely inwardly and outwardly wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen